and welcome to our WCCY Patreon, Patreon exclusive series. Special? Special? Yeah. I don't know. Either way, greetings to everybody. Uh, this is a little taster if you listen to this on the normal feed. If not, this is... Uh, you Hello, can, welcome to... You might have pledged for this. Anyway, uh, patreon.com forward slash WCCY. Now, before we get into the what the episode is and we tell you what's going on, I am going to just pass an implement over to my co-host. It's a razor. It is not a razor. It is <laughs> Plastic a... Plastic razor. No. Box cutter. It is a ceramic blade cutter. Called Slice, but the letters S, L, and E have been sliced about quarter way. I think to insinuate how effective this device is. It's a very effective blade. At now, slicing. What would you use a blade like that for? I would use this blade to slit wrists and cut boxes. Right. How do you like the idea of the second option? Yeah. I have a gift. It's a book. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It's just for you. To Harry Whitley. Oh, he's having a lovely... Who puts two? Two. I don't know. On the address of the package, it's got two Harry Whitley. Royal Mail have signed for it. They have, supposedly. Um, thanks, Harold. Oh, you're very welcome. <laughs> I always wanted a bit of cardboard. Now, I will say, just Ooh, be it's careful. From... If you want to get in contact with them, please do send them some bombs. Or... Yeah, send them something in the post. Now, I just say, be careful when using the slicer with it. Thanks for pledging to our Patreon, by the way. Patreon.com forward slash WCCY. It's only a pound a month. You don't have to do it, but if you do, you get... Thrilling stuff like this. Thanks, Rob. Yeah, thanks, thanks Rob, so far. Thanks, Rob. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Rob, so far. Thanks, Rob. Yeah, thanks, thanks Rob, so far. Oh, good God, it's like watching a chimp. <laughs> oh. Why don't you just open it? <laughs> it's grassy inside. You see that? I think it's a grass seed box that's been repurposed oh, as packaging. Oh, I was going to say, because I thought it ruined it. I was like, mm. Careful, careful, careful. It's a picture of a lawnmower. <laughs> oh, thank you. You're very welcome. It... Here we go. It's um, power base, 32 centimeter, 1200 watt electric rotary lawn mower. <laughs> now... <laughs> that's what the big guys use. <laughs> now, its cutting width is 32 centimeters. Okay. It's cutting height? Approx. Uh, cutting height, <laughs> maximum or minimum? Both. Ma- if di- what, what's it, lowest and highest? Yeah. The lowest it can cut. Is this in centi- millimetres. In millimetres. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. 10 mil? Oh, come on. What, higher? <laughs> yeah, don't. It's not that good. All right, okay, 50 mil. It's going to be 25. It's, be- it's better than that. It's 25, isn't it? It's, be- it's better than that. 15. It's not as good as that. 20. It is. Two. Still in mil? We're not going from mil to metres. Still in millimetres. <laughs> uh, I'd say 50. It's better than that. Better than that. 80. It's not as good as that, though. 60. Spot on. Beautiful. 
It's a 33 litre. Nice. Plenty of plenty of range. Twin in it, turbo. <laughs> plenty of range in that lawnmower. <laughs> so yeah. Well, thanks, Harold. Right. Do you want to give me the box now and uh... two year warranty as well? Oh, what else have we got? It's a black bag. <laughs> it's a body bag. Oh, it's a nice bag. Oh, it is a nice bag. It's thick, isn't oh, it's it? It's a nice bag. Oh, it's a very big bag. Oh, very... Jesus. After unraveling the black bag that was in the cardboard box, I found a book. Uh, I know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's an annual. It's the 1975 annual of Doctor Who. No, The Doctor Who. Starring John Pertwee as Doctor Who. And, um... I think I've just creamed. Is that for me to take home? Yes. Brilliant. I know just where to put it. Is it silver and got a bag in it? (laughs) You know what? I'm going to put this in my own black bag at home. (laughs) For that man to come and pick up. You like that? Yeah. Got that. So is this from 1974? It is. 75. But well, yeah, it would have been. Yeah. Yeah, yeah most likely. Brilliant. Well, there you go. Oh, thanks, Harold. You're very welcome. Aww. So on the... What su- pushed you to get that for me? I just saw some old tat on eBay and thought of you. Mm. So there you go. Mm. Right. So on the subject of books, our new Patreon exclusive series which is uh, patreon.com forward slash WCCY. Is that the after show again? Yeah. So, yeah, on the subject of books, um, it, uh, you know, this this is our Patreon exclusive, uh, patreon.com forward slash WCCY. For a pound a month... People are typing in there, how do I cancel? How <laughs> to cancel Patreon <laughs> subscription. Uh, we are going to be delving into the world... Cancel not working. <laughs> You have to wait at least seven days. Can I cancel Patreon with my bank? <laughs> Unfortunately, no. The standing order will continue to be taken. Um, so we're Can going to be I taking get a funded one pound. We're going to be taking a, w- a dive into the world of the Doctor Who Target books. Target books. And we're going to be reading a chapter, maybe two chapters a week. Um, see how we get on. And we're going to talk as we go. And I thought it might be nice for you to experience the stories in a sort of more in-depth, exclusive way. By paying money for us to read a story badly. Which, to be honest, by the time we've read out the whole book, probably be cheaper for you just to buy Buy the book and do it yourself. (laughs) So... But you don't get access to that other exclusive content, such as short videos. (laughs) Behind the scenes content and more. All of that good fun. So, I have a few. And um, Harold's phone number. Exactly. It's on there, loud and proud. <laughs> so, I have a few um, uh, target books. Quite a, quite a lot of them were sent in by a listener. Mm. Uh, thank you. Mr. Day. Mr. Day. Thank you, Mr. Day. Say his name. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't say his name then. So, quite a few were sent in by Mr. Day. So, thank you. I'm going to read you out the stories that I've got, and then we're going to make a decision and pick pick the book. Okay? Mordrin Undead. Yes. That's what we're doing next week oh. on the podcast, so we, we might skip that one. That's <laughs> a lively one, that one. It's a lively one. Uh, Doctor Who and the Planet of Evil. 
If any of these jump out, I Which shall put them in a separate pile. Uh, Tom Baker. No. Doctor Who and the Android Invasion. No. Have you got a John Petweet one? Well, that's what we're going to get to. Doctor Who and the Ark in Space. Right. Are all these stories no. that have been filmed? Yes. Yeah, yeah. They all exist. Doctor Who and the Tomb of the Cybermen. That's a... The Crotons. <laughs> Doctor Who and the Cybermen. Doctor Who and the Green Death. God, Pertwee. There we go. Put that on the side. The Dominators. Sexy one, that one. The Invasion. The Gunfighters. <laughs> we both did the pose. Marco Polo. Marco Polo. Marco Polo. The Savages. Savages. The Smugglers. Doctor Who and the Robots of Death. Doctor Who, Death to the Daleks. Doctor Who and the Image of the Fendal. (laughs) (laughs) Doctor Who and the Cybermen. What a title. Hang on, have I got... You've got two. I've got two of them. You Would you like one? one? No. Okay. Uh, any <laughs> listeners want... Uh, Doctor Who, The Curse of Paladon. Pertwee. Mm-hmm. Put that in the pile. Doctor Who and the Dalek Invasion of Earth. Doctor Who and the Invisible Enemy. Doctor Who, Fall to Doomsday. Doctor Who, Planet of Fire. Oh, and Doctor Who, Planet of the Daleks. What's a Target okay. book? Target was um, a company. <laughs> <laughs> Target. <laughs> Target were a book company. Wake up. Um, that print, that sort of novelised... Well, they didn't novelise. The writers... Normally, it's, it's either Terence Dix or the writers of the story oh. would novelise the story. Hmm. Like they do with films and games. Yeah, they you know they novelise their own story mm. and put it in a little lovely book that sold for like sixty p when it came out. In today's money, it's about fifty quid. I think they're like about five or each now. I'd say oh. something like that. I don't know. They're quite easy to find though. You can you know there's a lot of them. So there's a lot of them. Well, there's all of the stories pretty much. They're not, they not very good. Well, we'll find out. Um... What tickles you've pickled out of all of those stories? Let's have a look at those two. The two, the two Pertwees. Oh, it's okay, a long one. It. Pass it here with my foot. Uh, the Curse of Peladon, based on a Doctor Who adventure first broadcast in 1792. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Who and the Green Death by Malcolm Hulk. We're doing that one. I like Hulk. Are you going to do Malcolm Hulk? Yeah. Okay. Are you going to read read the blurb? The blurb. The green death begins slowly. Not that slowly. (laughs) In a small Welsh mining village, a man emerges from the disused colliery covered in a green fungus. Minutes later, he is dead. Unit, Joe Grant, and Doctor Who, in tow, arrive on the scene to investigate but strangely reluctant to assist their inquiries in Dr. Stevens, 
director of the local refinery, Panorama Chemicals. Are they in time to destroy the mysterious power which threatens them all before the whole village and even the world is wiped out by a deadly swarm of green maggots? Question mark. Distributed by... All right, we don't need all the bloody details. It was actually £1.50 in the UK, so you are full of absolute bollocks. Shite. Mm. Right, okay. So... Are you uh, reading? I think what we'll do is we'll read a page each. Mm. Okay? Mm. Here we go. Oh, illustration. Oh, pictures. Oh, the pictures. Settle down. <clears throat> Snuggle in. Get yourself a brew. Not now. You should have already done that. Yeah, well, hang on. We'll wait. Don't pause. Here we go. Best reading voices Just now. close your eyes. <clears throat> Drift off to dreamland. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, snap out of Come it. Come on. Here we go. Doctor Who... And the Green Death by Malcolm Hulk. <laughs> Based on the BBC. Here we go. Chapter one. Now do it like an audiobook. Okay. Doctor Who. Doctor Who. It's always got terrible audio quality for some reason. Yeah. Doctor Who and the Green Death Ooh. by Malcolm Hulk. Cheers, Malcolm. Based on the BBC television serial by Robert Sloman, by arrangement with the BBC. Slowman. Robert Slowman. It's annoying, isn't it? Chapter One Wealth in Our Time. In the beginning. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. Is that the start of the Bible? <laughs> Here we go. Ready? Yeah. I'm sure the listeners... Uh, thanks for pledging your pound to listen to this. If pledging. You pledging. <laughs> sledging. In his 40 years as a coal miner, Ted Hughes had never seen anything like it. Great. He stood in one of the deserted mine's main galleries, not believing his eyes. Mm. Dot, dot, dot. Llan Fairfach Colliery, in a mountainous part of Wales, had been closed for some time. No one in the village saw the sense of his, particularly the miners, who had spent their lives hewing coal from the pit. I've already lost where I am on the page. You're not supposed to play a character. Oh, oh, sorry. There was still ample coal down there, enough for another hundred years of mining, but government economists in London had proved... It was better business to buy oil overseas than mine coal here in Britain. So, St. Fairfax's coal mine had been closed and its miners put out of work. Yeah, you can say it. Yeah, I can say it, yeah. Haters gonna hate. But just in, just in case it should ever be needed again, a handful of old miners were kept to make monthly inspections. Today, it had been Ted Hughes's turn to put one of the traditional helmets with his miner's lamp Oh, sorry, to put on. And descend alone the 500 yards into the mine. Dot, dot, dot. Who wrote this? Malcolm Hook. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Get <laughs> in the mic with a book. The inspection followed a set pattern. He walked along one gallery after another, checking the props that held up the roof, checking the water levels where water seeped in, 
pausing from time to time to listen. But to what? Sometimes he would hear a faint creaking sound. (laughs) Sometimes he would hear a faint creaking sound. (laughs) The mind talking as, as he and his mates called it. If the sound was soft and gentle, like a... If the sound was soft and gentle, like a woman murmuring in sleep, what? the mine was safe. But if the sound was harsh and sharp, like this, for example, <laughs> it warned of danger. Oh, should I do the woman murmuring in her sleep? <laughs> it's Levine. Um, yeah, but if the sound was harsh and sharp, it warned of danger and the possibility of a gallery roof collapsing. In his 40 years as a miner, Ted had been known... No, Ted had known four major roof collapses. Men had been crushed to death death or left. For dead. Trapped to die of suffocation. (laughs) I'll stop there, and you can read the next page. I want and... You're on the edge of your seat, aren't you? Patreon.com forward slash WCC. And the minor accidents. Chunks of rock falling from the roof, breaking an arm or leg. Injuries which left a man crippled for life were too numerous to remember. Yeah. After two hours of walking the galleries, checking the props, Ted sat down for ten minutes. Break. He had a thermos flask and tea and some cheese sandwiches that his wife had made for him. As he poured himself some tea, the old sadness came over him. He He looked up and down the section of galley. (laughs) He looked up... It's the first time I've read in two years. Um, He looked up and down the section of gallery where he was sitting thinking back on the old times when the mine had been worked and was full of his friends. <laughs> Who wrote this? <laughs> Malcolm. <laughs> there was no one to talk to now. There was no one to talk to now. Economists in London had made a calculation. And the fr- Why am I reading like feedback? <laughs> I like this story. Oh, right. Economists in London had made a calculation, and the friend Lee World of Ted Hughes had been. <laughs> I know you do that Who's though. his friend Lee? <laughs> and the friendly world of Ted Hughes had been brought to an end. Mm. He finished the sandwiches and was just about to start on the next part of the inspection when he noticed the green phosphorant glow it was coming from the far end of the gallery what what is the gallery a gallery it's like a, an open bit of a mine like a sort to of see the open bit of the mine then the open bit of the mine there is no natural light in a mine the only <laughs> it's not a children's book is it the only light is artificial and comes either from bulbs along the galleries or the lamps on the helmets in the miners. Ted's first reaction, therefore, was that he was no longer alone. 
Hello. Oh, no. Hello! He called. Who's down there? Pleased the prospect of human co- company. Cock cock. He walked down <laughs> the gallery. And saw a big throbbing. It was green in portion. Towards the green glow. The, no. He walked down the gallery towards the green glow. Then it struck him. As odd that anyone should... What? <laughs> With a club? <laughs> then, it... <laughs> then it struck him. As odd that anyone should bring a green light into a coal mine. <coughs> Hello? He called again, pausing this time. Who's down there? Different man. Again, no answer. <laughs> the, man, the different man called back. <laughs> Who are you? Again, no answer. But this time, a faint bowling sound. Ted hurried forward. He still could not see the source of the light. It was apparently round a corner of the gallery, and he was eager to know what caused it. If any... They don't do that in audiobooks, do they? (laughs) (laughs) Big finish. Coming soon to big finish. (laughs) If, If anyone had been given permission to come down into the mine... Ted should have been told. But he Oh, he's could... one of them, is he? But he couldn't think of a reason why anyone would want to. A rudu dudu. It'd be nice to have a copy for the Cyberman one. What? We've got two. Yeah. Nice. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like in school. Hand them all out. Have you forgot your book? Sake. <laughs> I want it back at the end of the lesson, you little shit. Miss, you got a cupboard full of them. What's, the... <laughs> what's, the... what's the problem here? <laughs> I never got that. The cupboard is full. Loads. You've got way too many. I miss you. Do it every year. Surely Come you can on. recite the whole fucker. We don't need to read it. Just give us the gist. <laughs> Just give us the gist. <laughs> is there a film of it? Or... Oh, God. An inspector calls. Give us the gist. I love that. When you're reading the book and they've done a film of it and you're yeah. just hoping, like, oh, today we're going to watch yeah, the film it, and see, uh, anyway, see what's changed. Finally, Ted reached the corner of the gallery. And then he saw it. Green glowing sludge was pouring in from a crack in the roof, cascading down a wall and forming a pool on the floor. Nice. Big finish getting the run for their money here, aren't they? The pool of sludge was already two or three inches thick in some places, and it bubbled as though alive. Ted... It is bubbling as well, isn't it? Ted, Ted moved forward cautiously. Instinctively, he wanted to touch it. <laughs> Why? I don't know. But oh. common sense told him to keep his distance. He backed away. Then, as he turned to go, a crack appeared in the ceiling above him. <laughs> it wasn't Amy's crack, was it? Day. Size of that. He looked Walk up. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> he looked up in time to see green sludge start to pour fr- through from above. Above, above. Before he had time to jump out of the way, a droplet of sludge landed on his left trouser leg. Without thinking, he dropped his kex, whipped it at... No, without thinking... (laughs) Malcolm? Without thinking, he tried to brush it off. The sludge stuck to his fingers, and he could feel it bite into the skin. He rubbed rubbed them against a rocky wall of the mine. The surplus sludge went from his fingers onto the wall but the part of his fingers that had touched the sludge nice, now glowed green. 
he raced along the gallery towards... It's not that kind of book. Is it all right? Okay. He raced along the ga- gallery towards the mine sh- lift shaft. When he got in the lift, panting for breath, thank you. He looked at his fingers in horror. <laughs> the whole of his hand was now glowing bright green. <laughs> he fell into the colliery lift, lift, slammed the gates and pulled the lever that would hurtle him the 500 yards up to the surface. Are you dead? No, no. While the village of Llanfairfach had lost its coal mine, it had gained panorama chemicals. This was a new industry... I'll try those words again. This was a new industry in the village. With a small oil refinery, very modern office buildings, an imposing and an imposing set of gates and high fences to keep out intruders. A large number of villagers were gathered outside the main gates when Dr. Thomas Stevens, managing director of Panorama Chemical, <laughs> arrived in his big, black, chauffeur-driven car. <laughs> As the gates opened to admit the car... Angry fists waved at Dr. Stevens and a number... Jesus Christ, you little piece of shit! Pipe down now. Angry fists waved at Dr. Stevens and a number of posters were held out in front of him. They read, Free! Free Wales. Yes. Not two. Three of them. English out. That's what the signs read. Yes, Cumbry... Jobs for coal miners. The elegantly dressed Dr. Stevens smiled back at everyone through the glass windows at his last. <laughs> I gotta go, go, go in and then just give up. The elegantly dressed Dr. Stevens smiled back at everyone through the glass windows. <laughs> Fucking hell. The elegantly dressed Dr. Stevens smiled back at everyone through the glass windows of his vast limousine, and the car glided forward to the front <laughs> entrance of the main administration block. Mark Elgin, the company's public relations officer, was standing there to greet Dr. Stevens. Hello, Doctor. That's not in the book. Elgin <laughs> opened the car's door, and Dr. Stevens stepped out. Yeah. Get shot. <laughs> Welcome back, sir, said Elgin. What's the news? It's all good, said Dr. Stevens. <laughs> then he gestured to the crowd on the other side of the main gate. How long has this been going on? Oh, Dr. Do- Stevens says that. How long has this been going on? Since early this morning, <laughs> said Elgin. <laughs> The usual unemployed layabouts. Elgin came from a working class background himself. <laughs> <laughs> but through being bright uh, <laughs> But through being bright and examinations had gone to university and now considered himself superior to others less fortunate. He's mm, one of them. So everyone who goes to uni. <laughs> Doctor Stevens, who was feeling in a slightly more Benevolent mood. Big Ooh. word, Malcolm. Big word. Calm down, Malcolm. <laughs> Put on. <laughs> 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 Put on. 
Big M. <laughs> Big up, Hulky. Um, don't know where I am. <laughs> <coughs> Dr. Stevens, who was feeling in a slightly more benevolent mood, Ooh. put on a show of concern for the people <laughs> crowded on the other side of the gate. But what's the worrying thing than this time? What? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Get some English is in his first language. I suppose so. No, they both they didn't speak like that. I suppose they don't know who's speaking. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell! Everybody talks like that, <laughs> even though they're in South Wales. Yeah. <laughs> I've lived round here all my life. Well, what's the worrying them this time? He asked. He he asked. I suppose, sir," said Elgin. "They want to know what is going to happen." <laughs> In that case, replied Dr. Stevens, I shall tell them. He went forward to the gate so that the people could hear him and waved a piece of paper at them. I have here in my hand, he said slowly and loudly, a paper. Is this set in Emmerdale? (laughs) A paper, which will mean a great deal to you. He paused for dramatic effect. (laughs) Then called out, Wealth! In our time, a small cheer went up. Hey. <laughs> a small cheer went up hey. from some members of the village crowd. Doctor Stevens took a couple of steps nearer to the gates. Of course, we will all regret that the National Golf Board closed down the mine. He said, not regretting it at all himself, but not knowing this <laughs> Malcolm. Fucking hell, you full stops, mate. <laughs> Did you fall asleep right in that sentence, Malcolm? I'll finish it off in the morning. (laughs) Just forgot to put it there. Of course, we all regret that the National Coal Board closed down the mine, he said, not regretting it at all himself, but knowing this would please his (laughs) listeners. But we must not be bitter. It must be nice to please your listeners. (laughs) We have to face facts. Coal is a dying industry. Oil is our future now. And the government... Man agrees with me. <clears throat> right, I need to just figure out the voice. Is he still speaking at this point? I think so. I just assumed he was. <laughs> okay, okay. They have not only given us the go-ahead for our plans, they've promised us money for expansion. I have it here in black and white. He waved the paper again. Actually, it was the menu from the hotel where he had stopped after lunch. But he knew no one could get near enough to read it. Look. (laughs) He really did have a letter from the government in his briefcase, in his car, but he couldn't be bothered to fetch it. This means money for all of us. More (laughs) More jobs, more houses, more cars. A tall man shouted something in Welsh. He had a head of black hair, blue jeans, and a polo neck sweater, and stood out from the crowd. That's you. He He looked huge. (laughs) Dr. Stevens smiled, as he'd never been taught to smile in his minor public school. Who? Dr. Stevens. When he couldn't understand something. I'm terribly sorry, he said, but I haven't mastered your language yet. Oh, brilliant. He isn't Welsh. I haven't managed mastered your language yet. No, he isn't, is he? In the Green Death, no. He is in this one. Then I'll repeat it. Oh, shit. 
talk to Steve. Oh, no, sorry. No. Oh, right. Oh, I, no. I'm terribly sorry. Right, out of the Hopkins. I'm terribly sorry, he said. I haven't mastered your language yet. You can't change uh, the language, the accent. No, this is Dr. Stevens now. Yeah, I did his voice as well. Did it sound the same? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, did I? No, yeah. I was, no, you haven't done Who's Dr. The Stevens. Character? Yet, it was him and someone else, wasn't it? Before? Oh, it must be Doctor Stephen Smart. Yeah. Okay. All oh, right. Okay. I'm terribly sorry. I'm. I'm, ter- I'm terribly. <laughs> it sounds like the same. <laughs> I, I'm terribly sorry. He said, "But I haven't mastered your language yet." Then I repeat in English. Sh- shouted the, shouted the young shouted. man. Shouted the young man. Sorry. Then I'll repeat in English. Shouted the young man. What you're offering? He doesn't means- sound young. <laughs> What you're offering means more muck, more devastation, and more death. Elgin sidled up beside Dr. Stevens and spoke quietly. That's Professor Jones. He's a travel maker. (laughs) (laughs) He said quietly. (laughs) If he's Professor Jones, said Dr. Stevens, he's also a Nobel Prize winner. Dr. St- oh, sorry. Dr. Stevens was always impressed with success because he was a snob. I don't know. What was your voice? Do your voice. I need to read it. <laughs> because of the Nobel Prize in it. Norbell. Norbell, right. <laughs> Lupari. Yeah, that, that. <laughs> yeah. Because of the Nobel Prize, said Elgin, he gets his name in the newspapers a lot. I suggest, sir, you go easy with him. <laughs> Dr. Stevens nodded, then Royce raised his voice again to the crowd. It seems that some of you do not agree with my vision of the future, but there are always you... Who resists progress? <laughs> Dr. Stevens collapsed of an asthma attack in front of the crowd. You call it progress, shouted Professor Jones. Anthony Hopkins' brother. He turned to the villagers. <laughs> <laughs> Do not go gentle into that good night. Rage. Rage. Rage against the day of the light. He turned to the villagers. Don't listen to them. He's only interested in fatter profits, per panorama chemicals at the end of the expense of your land and the air you breathe and the health of your kids. Di Evans, one of the older villagers, spoke up. It's all right for you, he shouted. At the, sorry, it's all right for you, he shouted at the young professor. You can't afford to live the way you want to. We need jobs. We need to. We, need, we don't want to live. On, we don't want to live on nuts. What? It says we do not want to live on nuts. We don't want to live on nuts. Jesus Christ! The crowd laughed. <laughs> In Llan Fairfach, young Professor hmm? Jones, in Llan Fairfach, <laughs> You have to do that every time you say it. In Llan Fairfach, young Professor Jones was respected. Oh, hang on, I'm on the, I'm on the other page. <laughs> Just kept going. In Llan Fairfach, young Professor Jones... <laughs> was respected but not accepted. To be accepted, you had to have three generations of dead behind you in a village graveyard. Above all, both you and they had to be miners. Professor Clifford Jones 
had come to the village only two years ago. He and some friends had bought a big old house. Big old cow. <laughs> so Professor Jones is Welsh. Stevens and Engin. Uh, Luke Parry. Luke Parry and uh, Paul Martin. Okay. <laughs> I don't know who these people are. He and some friends had bought a big old house where they set up the whole wheel community. They lived together communally, refused to own motor cars, and would eat Mm. only natural foods. Naturists. Thus, they carried out a living protest against pollution. No. Protest? Thus, they carried out a living protest against pollution (laughs) and the destruction by industry of our natural environment. The villagers... Do you you think it's going to be... Oh, it's the end of the chapter. Yeah. The villagers recognised the good in- intentions, and <laughs> the villagers recognised the good intentions of the whole wheel community, but couldn't help joking about them. The house was known locally as the Nut Hatch because the whole wheelers were believed to eat nuts instead of me- meat. Meat. Professor Jones went red in the face at Di Evans' remark. He earnestly wanted to help the villagers, to help everybody, and it threw him off his stroke when they were too ignorant to understand him. He replied in a stream of Welsh. Morgan the milkman cut in sharply. For goodness sake, man, stop talking Welsh with that stupid Cardiff accent. Is that what the milkman says? Do you want to say it in an accent that's not yours? For goodness sake, man. Nice. For goodness <coughs> sake, man. <laughs> For goodness sake, man. Stop talking Welsh with that stupid Cardiff accent. <laughs> Said you... the Dutch milkman. <laughs> you only learnt it out of book. It's not thick. <laughs> you know half of... <laughs> it's going down Schwarzenegger now. You know half. No. You don't know the half. You know half. You don't know the half of it. You know, half of us have forgotten how to speak it. Forgotten. <laughs> You're all right, Arnold. Are you having a stroke? <laughs> then more's the pity, said Professor Jones. How does Professor Jones speak? Uh, Anthony Hopkins. Then more's the pity. <laughs> what? Say it. What What was the line? Then more's the pity. Then more's the pity. Then more's the pity, said Professor Jones. <laughs> he turned to Di Evans. I'm surprised with you, Di Evans. Of course, you need a job. I'm surprised with you, Di Evans. Of course, you need a job. It's every man's right to have work. It's every man's right to have work. But there should be a coal mine for you to work in. But there should be a coal mine for you to work in. Not a chemicals factory. Not a chemicals factory. (laughs) Exclamation point. (laughs) I'm facing facts, replied Di Evans. I'm facing facts, replied Di Evans. Is he not the... Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. The government says coal is finished. It's oil now. Professor Jones asked, Were you facing facts when you went on strike for seven months? Were you facing facts when you went on strike for seven months? You're not real FBI, are you? Di Evans blushed. (laughs) (laughs) You ain't Nivea skin cream, but not today. Di Evans blushed and everyone went quiet. 
I don't wear Nivea. I promise you, boss. <laughs> just E45 in the morning. Just, you know, check. <laughs> come, come, Mr. Bond. No, he was joking. <laughs> come, come, Mr. Bond. You drive just as much pleasure from killing as I do. Die Evans said. Said Die Evans, <laughs> blushing as everyone went quiet. <laughs> He's off again. Di Evans blushed and everyone went quiet. The memory of the general strike in 1926 was still with many of them. Mm. For seven bitter months, the coal miners had remained on strike until fairly, finally, they were (laughs) defecating. They weren't defecated, they were defeated because they had no food. I was only a boy in those days, said Di Evans, <laughs> quietly remembering, remembering the humiliation of the miners' defeat. I learned sometimes you're just going to give in. Lupari. Lupari. <laughs> I learned sometimes you've just got to give in. Dan Lewis. Even if it means you're being exploited, asked Professor Jones. Who said this bit now? The workers have always had bosses, said Di Evans. People who live off our backs. Lupari. So, Lupari. People who... No Michael Caine in there. Lupari. No Michael Caine. Right, Lupari. All right, okay. No, stop. Don't do that. Right, okay. People who have lived off our backs, so we might as well accept that. <laughs> it's all right for you to tell us what to do, boy or with your university education. <laughs> Catchphrase. (laughs) (laughs) Say what you see. If you see it, say it. If you don't, you don't. (laughs) If you haven't got a fucking clue, you haven't got a fucking clue. (laughs) But but we're... But we're... But we're simple people, and none of us have... And none of us has got himself tens of thousands of pounds winning a Nobel Prize. Di Evans stopped mid-sentence. From the direction of the mine, they could all hear the wail of the pithead siren. There's one from Aliens, guys, annoying. It's not that. Now, I'm gonna I'm gonna pause in the reading. The mi- the mine that's down the road from here, up until about ten years ago, they used to keep checking like the um. Yeah, it's horrible. It's like an air raid siren. I thought Mossad were like coming over every time it used to go off. Sunday mornings, eleven o'clock. Horrible. Yeah, well, uh, why did he stop? Exploded, did it? <laughs> it just went bang. So yeah, Di yeah. Evans. Uh, they heard. They heard the uh, the pit head siren. It could only mean one thing: <laughs> a disaster in the mine. Without another thought. The crowd of villagers turned and ran up towards the closed mine. There's no one down there, said Professor Jones, as he ran beside Di Evans. How can they how what how can there be an accident? Uh okay. Blue party. There was te- there was Ted Hughes went down there for an ex- inspection this morning, Di Evans answered, panting to keep oh sorry. There were there was Ted Hughes down Luke Barry. There were te- there was Ted Hughes who went down. For an inspection this morning. <laughs> Di Evans answered, panting to keep up with the young man. Hmm. 
The first villager to reach the, reach the mine was Bert Pritchard, in his 50s, but lithe and wiry like a whippet. He went straight to the pit head office. Whoever had pulled the siren lever must be in there. He came out at once, his face white and his hands raised to the crowd. Maybe the professor should come in here. He shouted. Maybe, maybe the professor should come in here. He shouted. He might be able to understand it. Professor Jones pushed his way forward. What is it? See for yourself, said Bert Pritchard. Burke. Bert Pritchard. See for yourself, you prick, said Bert Pritchard. Professor Jones entered the office, followed by Di Evans. And Bert Pritchard and Ted Hughes were now, seated by the <laughs> Ted Hughes was seated there, his hands still on the siren lever as he'd pulled it. By his stillness and staring eyes, they knew he was dead. Mm. His hands and face and neck were glowing bright. And toes, green, and tongue, and, f- and eyes, and his and ass. Nipples. His ass was throbbing bright green. Like spinning a hose. (laughs) (laughs) And there is chapter one of The Green Death. What's chapter two called? Chapter two is called The Doctor Plans a Holiday. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to join us for chapter two, don't go on the web and search for it. You need to sign up on Patreon and you need to give us a pound. We'll give you some content. Give us a pound a month. We'll do these every week. Uh, so yeah, there's chapter one. Or oh, we'll give you some content. You give us a pound. Done. Sounds like a fair deal to me. Hmm. So yeah, um, I'll probably get this up before the after show. So if you show if you're just sometime to this year, if you're listening sometime, uh, the after show is on Monday the eighteenth. What's the date today? Seventeenth. Eighteenth. Monday the eighteenth at nine p.m. BST. And uh, yeah, you can join us on the after show. Uh, just visit our Twitter at Who Can Convince. But yeah, if you'd like to carry on reading with us, we're recording the next chapter now, and that'll be up on our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash WCCY. If not, don't worry about it. Just buy the book yourself. It's cheap enough. And there you go. Can you get a free copy online? Probably if you PDF it, it's probably there somewhere. I'd like a PDF for next time because I'd like us to. Both see it. Be ready. So we can be the characters who we were meant to be. Right, okay. I like Bert. Bert Pritchard. The South African. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the professor should come in here, he shouted. <laughs> Maybe he'll understand it. Come in here, you prick. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, if you'd like to uh, carry on, like we said, visit our Patreon. If not, uh, that's fine. Don't worry about already it. Gone. Yeah, already gone. Yeah, already gone. All right, then. Uh, well, I've been Harold. I've been Luke. Uh, and we'll see you next time. All right, then. Okay, bye. Have a day. Night. <laughs> Good night. Good night. Sleep tight. Don't let the bed bugs bite. Kiss him on the cheek. <laughs> Good night, listener. Oh, Christ. <laughs> 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 <laughs>